everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Video Game Hour. This is Yusuf. And I'm Tavit. And uh, our Game of the Hour, so aptly named by Yusuf last episode, is Life is Strange. That's by Don't Not Studios, a uh, French developer. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. Sure. Um, so, Yusuf, you want to start? What have you been playing, buddy? Well, I've been playing a game a lot of people, a lot of people have been playing, Bloodborne. Mm. Which was, uh, it's a, you know, PlayStation, a Sony PlayStation game from, uh, from software. Yep. And, you know what, where to start with Bloodborne, you know? <laughs> Do you have any questions? Yeah, man, how far <laughs> down the rabbit hole have you gone? Because, I mean, I hear that it's, uh, I hear that unlike Dark Souls 2, it kind of returns to the sort of interconnected world. Lots of shortcuts, lots of, yeah. like, paths that connect to paths mm. you may have been. Are Absolutely. You in, are you yeah. enjoying the level design on this one? How oh, does it compare? You played the other Souls games, yeah, right? Yeah, I played Dark Souls 1 and 2. I haven't played Demon Souls. Oh, okay. Um, but I played the first two Dark Souls. And yeah, absolutely. Like where Dark Souls 2 was more of a kind of linear design, almost a like hub design where you kind of, you always started Majula and you just branched off. In Bloodborne, you absolutely, everything is interconnected in this really complex, awesome way. Nice. And it's just so satisfying. Nice. Like uh, there was one, I found a shortcut about halfway through that me and my brother were both playing and we were just like, what? is happening that's <laughs> like, awesome it's like about 20 hours into the game you go down some random cave and you come out where, where you started the game oh cool yeah like you're just like you're deep in these woods there's like no light anywhere no you're just tr- kind of stumbling through this cave and it's full of poison the, the ground's poison Ooh. you're just like get me out of here and you just stumble to the nearest door and you walk up some ladder and then you're in the first lantern which is like a bonfire that you started and i'm like okay bloodborne that's amazing okay that's amazing i don't yeah. know why more games don't do that that sense of like place right like the real sense of yeah. place that from software is established in that series is incredible like yeah and that feeling that you get of like earned triumph where you can see a place that you've been before and it it's, it must be an amazing feeling that's really like the i think the linchpin of that game it's the, it, and it's funny how much it has in common with fighting games oh okay because it's all about that that earned triumph, that accomplishing, or seeing an area or an enemy that you previously were really scared of, really, and didn't know what to do with, and trounced you repeatedly, you come back to it and you're just like, oh, I got this. <laughs> What's up now? You basically go from being terrible at it to being the character in like that movie that they play in the beginning of the game where the guys is walking around killing people willy-nilly like nice. you, you become like the e3 demo you, you become the e3 <laughs> demo just like the, that's awesome the silent you know assassin character from any action movie that kind of handles things totally but then you go to the next area and then you're back to getting crushed again <laughs> they find some new enemy to totally scare you shitless and you know bring you back down to square one which is actually i haven't beaten it yet i'm i'm fairly close but oh, cool i i'm just in this part now where like everywhere i go is hard and i'm just like i don't know where to go there's no part that's not super hard that's amazing so <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you beaten the other games as well i have yeah. oh man i'm yeah. like because i love i love i yeah. played dark souls on an import copy back when back in the day when i was working for atari doing business development mm-hmm. and i was like yo you guys we need to like publish this game it was a pass Mm. Uh, big mistake fools fools but um i you know i've played very deeply into demon souls and i played even more deeply into dark souls but i've never beaten the game i think there's this like moment of probably somewhere around 40 hours in where i'm just like okay i know what i'm doing here mm. i love it it's mm-hmm. so much fun 
what else do I have to play? And I think that's more mm. about like who I am as a player. It's certainly nothing to do with the quality of the game. It's interesting sure. that like I would lo- I will play a game like Monster Hunter for a hundred plus hours easily, and it's very much in that same vein of like encounter based, kind of like shares DNA with like the the skill uh, and uh, skill growth as like a fighting game, as you were saying. But I I just I think around like 40, again, 40 hours, it may just be the difference between the home console experience mm-hmm. and the portable experiences I talked about on Maybe, the yeah. other casts. Just like, I'm likely to play games for a longer duration. So if they ever do yeah. a 3DS version or a Vita well, version. You, know, you can always play it on whatever the cross-play if you're going to PS4, right? That's uh, true, yeah. But plus you have to be in the same <laughs> Wi-Fi network or the same like... Well, if, no, I think you just have to be attached to the Wi-Fi, period. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, you wouldn't be able to play on, on, the, pl- on the train. Oh, yeah, dude, I'm down. But that's, <laughs> totally. not, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Bloodborne is... It's, oh, what, where, do you weigh in, where do you weigh in on the whole can you become a werewolf debate? I, I heard that there's like partial transformations or parts of you can like grow or like mm. evolve anyway I read well, a whole bunch. yeah i haven't yeah i haven't played i guess to the point where that was an issue oh, okay. yeah okay. i mean it hasn't come up yet all right I, it might come up in new game plus i'm not really sure but you haven't become a werewolf yet there's there's beast pellets you can take but they just make they just give you like a stamina boost oh word out so um i was hoping that would turn into a werewolf because you do fight a, a character who turns into a werewolf at some point like halfway through and you're just like it's one of the early. It's one of the first bosses, and actually one of the hardest bosses in the game. Oh, cool! It's kind of a classic. They do it. Classic move where it's like, you're just like, oh yeah, I'll fight this guy, and he just turns into a giant beast halfway through, and you're just like, what? Like you're just like, I'm literally saying what during the fight because you're just like, so surprised by that turn of events. Yeah, totally. Um, I just wanted to also talk about my love of Souls lore, which is like kind of a weird little subculture of people yeah. who like are super into it i mean there's like youtube people like vati vidya and like mm-hmm. a couple other um ca- uh not casters so much of like kind of video personalities but they talk about um they just di- di- deep dive into the lore of dark souls and i've watched i've listened to all their videos and right now i'm going through a cast actually a podcast called um bonfire side chat nice they actually <laughs> talk about um they just go through every single part of all the games and talk about the lore behind it sweet um so any, any highlights um for for bloodborne not yet because i've been trying to keep myself in the dark more or less until yeah. i f- finish the first playthrough but it's really cool i bought the strategy strategy guide oh so it's like one of the first times i bought a strategy guide for a wow, video game man since like maybe missed <laughs> since we were kids yeah <laughs> since, since like, we were yeah. younger yeah it's like yeah. something of like our childhood and i feel like i especially in this age of the internet like it seems so useless to have but it's kind of like I it's it almost had this like special significance where I was holding on to the book and I didn't want to open it until I finished the game and yeah and it's like just it's a thick tome it looks like a oh, textbook cool. and that's it's hardcover cool. and you're just it's just sitting there and it's like damn I can't wait to open this so I can like just crack all this game secrets and see because like they have all the characters in the game and they talk about like whether they're you know um they talk about their lore talk about like if you ever fight them what they might drop what weapons oh, they might cool. drop and like nice so it's great because there are a lot of characters in the game that are very mysterious like where you're just like because it's a dark souls game so like the whole thing feels pretty mysterious. much nobody is on your side 100 percent. right and, like so you're like how much is this person going to try and betray me or like whether they'll, whether they'll go for their own thing it's true it's so funny like taking a big step backwards like a meta step backwards when you think about like what a video game is it might have some it might help us in some way to understand why such a fervent following has sort of mm-hmm. sprung up around this game that 
tells you nothing, mm-hmm. like beats nothing you down at yeah. every turn, gives you very little breadcrumbs in terms of like leading you to the next you know destination or whatever. You don't even have like a like a, a HUD to like guide you to the next spot necessarily. And it, I just find it so interesting because I think maybe that says something about the core of being a game player. Like something about being a game player is not about uh, necessity. It's about this thing, this self-selected experience that we want to have. And, you know, especially for the core, like the people who play games a lot and really enjoy it as a genre, grew up with it as we did. You know, it seems like a game like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, the Souls series, really appeals to the type of people who like to solve problems. And if these Mm -hmm. problems are like hulking bosses that we have no idea how to necessarily beat the first 10 times they like cleave our skulls open or like lore that isn't delivered to us in the way that like pop mass market games have now like mandated story must be delivered. Like this game tells you nothing Mm -hmm. and people want everything from it. And it's almost like withholding information makes it more valuable. I wonder, it, right? I think it does. I mean, for me, there are very few games that I've played, like Dark Souls, where I'll still think about the story now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm just, like, still like, think, thinking about the story. Even even though, like, on its surface, it's, it's a basic fantasy tale. Sure, like dark but, fantasy. Very, yeah, it's yeah, dark yeah, fantasy. Very much dark fantasy. But just that having to kind of dig it out of from the... From the the very like the the meat and bones of the game of the game you have to pick up items and read their descriptions to find out most of the story you have to talk to an npc like until they like after you come to come back to them after you've done something maybe they'll say something new right and it's like completely random whether or not they'll they'll speak to you about something new and like in this game and bloodborne absolutely has that because it has time periods yeah so you kind of will fight a boss and the time will change and you come back and 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 the story a little sub narrative will have Developed somewhat, if and you could totally miss it if you're if you're not constantly coming back, kind of hungering for that narrative. Very interesting, and yeah. you know, maybe maybe it also could do with the fact that the game marches on and is its best possible self. Like the gameplay does not need the story to be read. You can pick up an item and look at its stats and not read the story, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't get in the way of you having a good time just playing the game. So it's yeah. like a cat, you know, and I'm air quoting here, but like a casual. Souls player like myself, who's like putting 20 to 30, 40 hours into each of the titles, loving it, but not going into the lore, mm-hmm. not even beating any of the games, <laughs> but loving them. Mm. It's still fun for me, right? But mm. then this incredible depth opens up for the people who do want to peek behind the curtain oh, and yeah. try to, like, oh, yeah. you know, brush the cobwebs away and see what the lore is all about. I just love that. I think it's so great to, like, create, uh, to, to basically show that flexibility does not have to be something that's force-fed, right? It's just like, here's the game. Here's how you play. Now we're getting out of your way. Like, mm-hmm. we made it. We made the game. We really took a lot we, of time. We, we took a lot of time. Yeah. Yes. We took like, a lot of time. And now, if you want to play it, <laughs> yeah. here it is. Good luck. And You're like, going to die. They'll do stuff like put a suit of armor in a room, like, and that has story significance. Yeah. Like, like in Dark Souls, like, apparently I was listening to this cast about it where they were talking about if you know like every every character class in the game that you don't pick ends up ends up going into the game like as an npc which you never meet but you meet their corpses oh cool yeah and you can like pick up all their armor classes like throughout the game and they so like it kind of and the way they die kind of carries its own story that's because they're like you know there's characters who like fell out of off a balcony in like and orlando and like you see their 
their <clears throat> equipment on the floor and you're just like oh that's where they died like that's they had a little story there that's really cool yeah no it's a it's a pretty rich game that i i'm looking forward to continuing playing probably playing the multiplayer at some point cool you know totally get trounced of course but it's a part of it yeah you're gonna die right or prepare yeah, to die prepare I will, to die I will prepare to yeah die. prepare to die but i mean all the games um established the they're very nihilistic like, because they, yes. estab- they established the futility of your errand like yeah. in every game like it's the beauty of the lore it's like you the game and especially in dark souls one like it it's so cool because it paints this 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 glorious errand that you have to go on and it ends up being complete fabrication like yeah. you're just like go save you know save the fire and then you're like oh i'll save the fire that sounds like a good idea but you're like in the end you're like actually that didn't really do anything do anything the fire is always going to dwindle whether or not I rekindle it or not, and yeah. you know, like potential, and actually, I'm just working for the gods, who are like selfishly, like in kind of a almost like uh, ancient Greek yeah. god yes. style, the terrible uh, old trying, gods. trying yeah. to just like maintain their own rule. Totally. And if I play like a classic fantasy game, that's what I'm doing. But it, I could also they give you the option to play it completely differently and like attack the gods and and try some another way. Yeah. It's like. You picture God of War with the option yeah. to work with the guy. Yeah, like, imagine, yeah. How amazing is that? Yeah, don't pluck the Colossus of Rhodes' eyes out. No, In yeah, fact, go and hang out on his shoulder and attack his enemies. Yeah, go have a beer with the Colossus of Rhodes, for sure. Yeah. And what, awesome. are you, what are you playing these days besides well, Life yeah. is Strange? Uh, besides Life is Strange, it's interesting because I think because we uh, chose such a short game and I, on the side, I chose such a short game with Life is Strange for our podcast and I, on the side, have been playing two incredibly long games. My video game diet has still consisted mainly of Xenoblade Chronicles on the 3DS and Monster Hunter, uh, but nothing really new to say there. Uh, so what I have been doing on the side, the reason I haven't been starting up many other games is I'm actually starting, uh, for the first time ever, to prepare for a campaign of Dungeons & Dragons as a Dungeon Master. Um, I had been playing uh, in a three-and-a-half-year-long campaign of what was a game of Pathfinder, which is a modified rule set version of Dungeons and Dragons. And then we had, the campaign had just switched over to the newest uh, D&D 5th edition, which was just released. And that was going great, but I left that party to basically start my own game with some different friends who've always wanted to play. And I gotta say, man, it's it's incredible. Like, it's incredible the timing of it to be working on building a world while you and I are considering the sort of weight and choices that are made in a mainly narrative game like Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Being a dungeon master is like a really exciting and fun and heavy, like work heavy job. You basically are going about like creating this world. Like D&D, uh, Wizards of the Coast that created D&D or that own D&D now, um, they give you these like tomes, these like sets of books that are like the player's handbook, the dungeon master's handbook, and the monster's manual mainly. Those are the three that you really need to like understand how the functionality of the game rules work. Mm-hmm. And within them, there's like a pantheon of gods, monsters, rules about non-player characters, suggestions for whatever. But the coolest part, I think, of D&D, it really just gives you carte blanche to create a meta world, uh, micro economies and ecologies and places that pepper that world. And then you really, as a DM, as a dungeon master... You want to just create a space for your players to like have agency and have fun. It's something that the the Dungeon Master's Guide takes a lot of time to really explain. Where it's like, listen, we're gonna like throw a lot of like spells and wizards and monsters and stuff, and you want to create this like really cool set of campaigns or whatever. But like, remember that the goal of this experience is to have a good time. 
is to like enjoy playing it and leave your players with a memorable experience. So it's been so great, man. For like the last two weeks, I've basically been writing a dark fantasy world. There's like four or five societies in this area where I'll start the adventure for my players. In that area, there's just, you know, these five societies that they have a history together. There's a reason that they're in the place that they're in and they have relationships or not. And there's reasons that they have relationships or not. And I'm going to drop my players right in the middle of that mm -hmm. and put them into an encounter where this person that they see at first may or may not be giving them a clue as mm -hmm. to where they are or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's very different than the cadence of playing a video game. Like when you play a video game, you like sit down for a few hours or an hour a day or however long you have to play a game. And you have that experience, right? You like make choices within the game. You are on a set path. You go for it. But kind of like in our conversation about the Talos Principle, there's really no option to not play the game the way that it was designed, mm -hmm. right? But in D&D, because it's a bunch of human beings sitting around and the Dungeon Master is kind of like the live improvised game designer, you can have your players just literally be like, uh, we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry, DM. Like, yeah. your character's telling us that there's like a magical thing on some glass mountain. Yeah, right, That's right, cool, right, man. Said, yeah. We're going to go the opposite direction. <laughs> and you need to like scramble live yeah, yeah, and be yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, there's a dire wolf and oh, yeah, there's yeah. these characters. So it's just very exciting. How to do me. you like, uh, how do you present a situation that doesn't seem transparently that you're wanting them to do? Yeah. Way? Improvisation is like apparently a really big tool that you can use that makes sense, yeah. as a DM. And the dungeon master that I was playing with for the last three years has been kind enough to sort of like, help me get started with mm. some of the clever tricks and tools that he's used. Mm. Um, so I've got some like cool stuff, like always keeping a journal of potential names that you can strap to characters because mm. he said that the effect of basically having a name at the ready makes the players who don't know any better think, Oh, like they've stumbled into something that was intended versus mm. not designed. And so you're improvising constantly, but trying to give the yeah. illusion that the players are like, much like the Souls games, uncovering a corner of the world that was designed and ready for them. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, my, my personal background beyond video games, like I've done a lot of performance art. Like I've, I've acted before and uh, in college I was in a comedy troupe that had a lot of sort of Jones for improv comedy. So I, I think I'm pretty well equipped in terms of just like my discipline as, a, as an artist or creative thinker, like to do that job well mm. but only time will tell like i'm just gonna see like i've got this world area that i've built i've got these characters and i've got these quests that i hope fingers crossed that they're interested enough to like pursue and then we'll see like yeah i'll just be following their lead in a weird way i'll yeah. like you know set this set the stage and whatever and kind of go for it and i thought of this right. one mechanic uh that i the dm that i played under did not try but i thought might be interesting we're starting to play in like two weeks from now but I already have their character bios and backgrounds, and I'm actually over email starting to feed them dreams individually, taking imagery and knowledge from the stories they've given me and mixing it in with uh, information from the story that's yet to come. Mm. So hopefully when they arrive, they'll have some iconography of the world I'm about to drop them into. So maybe uh, let's, should we move on to... Let's. Yeah, all right. So life is strange. Life is strange, yeah. strange, strange. Don't huh? nod entertainment. Don't you dare nod <laughs> at don't these nod, we're making games game here. designers uh, yeah, or yeah, French yeah. game designers. I don't know if they're in Paris, but 
is the same guys that did what was it? Uh, Remember me. Remember me. Yes. Yeah. And you you have played. I have not. Played I have. It. I played through maybe sixty percent of Remember Me when it was on the bargain bin shelf. Mm. Um, or bargain bin, not shelf. It's a bin, <laughs> not a shelf. It's a bin on a shelf. It's a bin on a shelf. I pulled the bin out and then I put it on <laughs> the like, floor oh, okay. and then I reached in. Oh, yeah. I remember me. Yeah, nice. It it's was. I remembered it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, it was interesting because the game had. It was very. Remember me was very ambitious beautiful art design i really love the art design and remember me there was a story of this like johnny monomic kind of uh character this female like data courier warrior person who dealt in memories and thoughts uh in a future setting where memories were commodified and very important and she was this there was one mechanic in remember me where you would delve into someone's mind or consciousness and essentially alter the contents of their memory you could like kind of go back in time to a specific memory that you were either investigating or was pivotal to the investigation that you're on and rejigger that memory like move objects change motivations of characters all within this like weird mental space to then doctor the outcome that you need to then move forward on the critical path of your investigation that mechanic was awesome and i think a lot of people told don't nod that that mechanic was awesome mm -hmm. and so you know right down that development train they yeah. got a deal from square enix mm -hmm. uh, to publish this game called life is strange which they've decided to make into an episodic series of narrative consequences choices matter style very much in the vein of the telltale games the the Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us. To the point where there's a, this character will remember this, which is a exactly. complete telltale yeah. on the On item. the HUD, yeah. yeah, like, or in the UI, there's actually, like, <clears throat> what you did has weight, and mm -hmm. someone, this has a consequence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just from my outside perspective. It, it seems like a very basic line that can be drawn from the popularity and the critical love for that mechanic within an otherwise basically maligned game. Like, remember mm -hmm. me was not very memorable, pardon the pun. Like, it was just like... <laughs> Couldn't pop yourself. Yeah, I'll just pat myself <laughs> on the back. Um, they, uh, you know, the combat was very much a cop of Arkham Asylum's, like, rhythm area of effect combat for Remember Me. Mm -hmm. But people just, critics love the, like, time-reversing thing. So I feel like that probably led to... It was, like, the genesis point of uh, Life is Strange. Mm. And so, Life is Strange... Life is Strange. Life yes. is Strange. Uh, it's the tale of a girl named Max Caulfield. Uh, very much a Holden Caulfield reference from the angsty, yeah. uh, almost Daria-esque setup. Sorry for the MZB generation. No, I mean, this, this game is built on its references. Yeah, it really, it actually really is. Yeah. Um, and so Max Caulfield is a aspiring, gifted photographer, uh, high school student who's going into her senior year in a small fictional town in the Pacific Northwest. She transfers from Seattle to Arcadia Bay, I believe it's called, and she gets to attend this prestigious private school with an incredible photo program led by this really famous photographer of the moment. And very early on in the game, some crazy shit goes down. She notices, she sees like someone getting shot, a student shooting another student in the girl's bathroom uh, which somehow nobody notices. And in that moment, she falls backwards in time. She's able to reverse mm -hmm. time. And, and so she, she also uh, has a daydream during class of a giant tornado taking over the town, or destroying the town. Right, right. The giant vortex. vortex the giant yeah. tornado thing. Giant vortex destroying the town. Right. Yes. And there's also a social club in the school. God, the social like, club. Clickiest. <laughs> 
like mean girlsiest club called the Vortex Club the as Vortex well. Club. So maybe actually maybe it might serve us well to do a kind of checklist of references that we may have seen from a high level before we get into the sort that's of true. That's a good idea. Nitty gritty yeah. of the game because the game I feel like is a very pastiche game. Um, they they live they live and die by the references. For one, Twin Peaks. Oh, totally is a huge reference. Totally. I mean, uh, just some of the the some of the subplots of the game. For example, there's the character. Um, I forget her name, but she's like the kind of ex-friend of your old friend, Chloe. Like, oh, kind of yes. like the romantic interest. Yes. Rachel? This, Rachel, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The missing yeah. person. She's yeah. a missing person. You see her posters all the over Laura the school. Palmer. Yeah. And she's so, completely Laura Palmer absolutely. because she's like this, like this, you meet a student who's like, oh, she was hanging out with boys. She was yeah, doing like drugs. Yeah, somehow like everybody <laughs> knows or has like chilled with her. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, again, it's a game. Of course, they have to set this like closed loop of interest up, but like mm-hmm. everyone's interested in photo. Everyone hung out with Rachel. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of like, but that was also the case in Twin Peaks where like everybody knew Laura Palmer. Yeah. And, and that was also very uncanny. It was. Um, but it was also like, had the David Lynch uncanny it was setup. Also, yeah, it was also David It was Lynch. built on um, being uncanny. It was yeah. built on being dissett- unsettling. But I don't think the game is, nece- at this point, is trying to totally own that unsettling Lynchian Pacific Northwest vibe of Twin no, Peaks. Certainly like, not. It's a lot of the a lot of the teenage drama is very p- pedestrian and like kind of Mean Girls esque. It like, was. It was almost too Mean Girls esque. So Mean, mean Girls, Girls definitely plays in, or at least the Heather's, or some idea of this like really clicky power group that uh-huh. like are such terrible people. I can't remember the name of the like queen of the of the of the hive, but she's terrible. Like she's just such a mean, 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 mean girl. And like Victoria. Yeah, maybe Victoria, yeah, actually. Yeah. I think it's Victoria. She's, and like, so unnecessarily mean. Totally. Um, other references that I thought up or that, that I could connect were Donnie Darko. Like, there's the whole, like, yeah. wormhole string theory stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I thought the whole oncoming storm thing paralleled, mm-hmm. like, the oncoming plane crash stuff. There's a Halloween party that's going to be coming up. Like, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of, like, clear references to Donnie Darko. Um Mm-hmm. There was a, there were butterflies, so in some way, maybe it's an Ashton Kutcher butterfly effect reference. Who knows? But that's also in there. The, the whole time travel thing. Yeah, changing potentialities. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, exactly. If a butterfly flaps his wings, um, were there any other references that we can think of? Um, I mean, not necessarily reference, but inspiration certainly in uh, games like Gone Home, which was a game that captured a lot of the same aesthetic of the Pacific Northwest and kind of a punk rock alt teen life yeah. um kind of an outcast an outcast from the popular kids yeah the main the, the few main characters or at least the main character that you read about in gone home is totally this rebel a uh, social rebel character and you read as that you find out about through her notes yeah and also mechanically there's so much uh exposition through environmental clues mm-hmm. in both gone home like it was the primary mechanic in gone home mm-hmm. and it was also a very big mechanic uh in life is strange where just Walking up to objects, like or walking up to an area, many many objects become highlighted that you can just observe, look at, mm-hmm. either up close or through a voiceover comment from Max, the main character, and she'll like expound upon what it means to yeah. her or what connects it to the meta plot, whatever. So there's a lot of that. That's a lot of notes. Yeah, a lot of notes. A lot of, you read, like, a lot of uh, even or just reading like a masthead or some yeah. kind of uh, official school correspondence. Yeah. Or, the nerd club or something. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally the nerd club. Yeah. Um, well, what did you? You, you also mentioned uh, uh, Alan Wake finally. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. While we were talking, Alan Wake certainly Pacific Northwest again. Uh, the whole alternate reality or multiple potentialities that are overlapping, like that kind of thematic, is in there. In fact, every time you 
reverse time as Max, once you gain that ability, you kind of see shadows of her moving through different, mm. like, possibilities of, oh, yeah. of motion. Yeah. yeah, if you hold it long enough before, like, the whole blood effect mm-hmm. happens and she starts, like, wincing. And blood on the screen. Blood on the screen. You shouldn't have gone back that far. Um, like, why don't you just let me in the stop? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> there should be a hard stop before I start bleeding yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But, honestly, and I, you know, this is just totally subjective, I really did not enjoy the game it was mm-hmm. a very you know on a high level i did not like the voicing of the writing like the the writer's voice was just i don't know who wrote it or how many people wrote it i just could not get into it like there were some choice choice cuts man like mm-hmm. at one point max in the very first scene of the game like takes a selfie in class in her photo class she takes a selfie with her big bulky polaroid camera and like two scenes later the victoria the like queen like mean girl is like go fuck your selfie and you're like, no, <laughs> let me reverse time and hope that you don't yeah. say that again. Yeah. Because oh, you it was say it so, again. <laughs> you keep saying it. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, the and writing just, is really cringeworthy. Yeah, the writing yeah. is cringeworthy. And the game explores actually some, I think, really important themes. There's like date rape references. There's bullying. There's all sorts of important stuff that unfortunately is rendered somewhat tone deaf yeah. uh, by the writing. So I really feel like as a group of grown men... That were trying to write a game about teenage girls. Yeah. Why did they even think that would work? Yeah. And it's so funny because there was they used that. They used uh, the fact that Square Enix tried to push them to change Max into a male character mm-hmm. as a main like marketing point. Like mm-hmm. I read three different like blogs covering the fact that Square Enix tried to pressure them to write Max into a man versus yeah. letting her be a woman. Yeah. And through my playthrough, I just kept being like, yeah, why? Like. Mm-hmm. what is it about Max's experience and mind you we've only played episodes one and two sure. it's yeah. all that's been released but like what is so unique about Max's womanhood thus far in the story that makes it vital for her to be a woman now most of the time I actually will argue for I want more representation Absolutely. of women in yeah. games I want more fair representation of women in games I don't want them treated as sex objects I don't want them treated as like ancillary you know parts of the plot but in this specific case just as you're saying it's like the voicing of not only her but like all the characters was just so shallow mm-hmm. and uh disconnected from the experience yeah. I, I just couldn't get into it. and it's definitely worthwhile to go back to the gone home reference because that was a game that was co-written by a woman yeah. and had a lot of women on the team and like that shows <laughs> Like, they know what they're talking about, and it doesn't ever feel fake or weird. I mean, and it's a very essentially teenage story in Gun Home. You know, it's kind of finding love, dealing with parents, yep. you know, like trying to like find, you know, establish your individualism in your character. Yeah. and Themes of sexuality, themes of self, yeah. uh, self-reliance, self-recognition, actualization, like becoming yeah, your absolutely. own person. And, I mean, it, it just rings a, a whole lot truer than it does... So far in Life is Strange. Yeah. yeah. Life is certainly strange. It's also, life is pretty poorly written. Uh, life <laughs> is also... Go, come on, let's go to the magazine. Yeah, article. let's just, exactly. Yeah. Life, like, in this case, let's just take it for what it is, right? Yeah. The developers don't want to tell uh, a standard story of coming of age and actualization. They're telling a story of a, a young lady, a young woman, who very weirdly and completely unexplainedly can move time backwards by mm. raising her hand at an object yes. you know by like raising her hand like a wizard and being like ah back in time so with that 
really cool bit of magical technology, I am mm-hmm. left with that empty feeling that I got when I was watching the movie Inception, where it was like, oh man, we have the power to like fall into dreams, so why is everybody dreaming of machine gun fights? Like, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, dream yeah. of anything yeah. more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think but about like, time that. travel is so like heavy and it's, yeah like worthy of exploration yeah and with yeah. A, with a medium as malleable as video games like mm-hmm. even within the design constraints let's take a quick stock of like even in just episode one and two like what problems max really solves with her time travel mm-hmm. certainly she stops bullets right someone gets shot in the bathroom and she can stop that that's cool that's yeah, life or death it, yeah. right but like not but 15 minutes later i'm in the residential hall the dormitory and there's like one of the like go fuck yourself like, Vortex Club girls, has, like, locked her roommate in their dorm room and won't let her get out mm-hmm. until, like, Max, like, brings her a piece of paper that proves that the, they shouldn't be pissed off at each other. I'm saying, I've got the power to turn back time. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the problem that the game designers have given me to solve. And then I do it, mm-hmm. and it's, like... So what? Five minutes after that, I'm outside in front of the dormitory again, and these jockos are about to like throw a football. It's gonna hit this girl in the head while she's trying to like jam out to some tunes or read a book or something. And literally, there's an option to be like, you see the girl get hit in the head, you reverse time, and you can warn her to move her head. And it's that's the actual text command. It's like and, move your and, head. And it does happen more than once. Yeah, and then she does it, and after stopping a bullet. After, like, getting some girl to, like, stop locking the other girl in the dorm room. Stopping a football from hitting a a girl's head on a lawn Mm -hmm. is what finally elicits Max to say out loud to the player, Finally, I've used my powers to, like, help someone. (laughs) And you're like, Max, you stopped a bullet, girl! Like, (laughs) you stopped a bullet! That's it! Call it a day! The girl would have been pissed if she had the football. Great, you know? Yeah, football sucks, man, to get hit in the head with the football. But to me, it speaks to this idea of, like, not only pacing, but, like, the waiting of these I mean, the thing is, like, I don't necessarily think that a solution would be to to give it this dramatic uh, weight, kind of this epicness, because I feel like that could also be... That's something that video games always do. Sure. Like, it's like, this is a mechanic, so let's kind of find a way to turn into a save the world mechanic you know she has which is unfortunately also a part of the game this is what's going to happen you know it's like ultimately but it's like i'm okay with like this idea of what if like can you picture this picture this idea of like a selfish like high schooler like what happens if you give time reversal mechanics to a high school girl like she's going to use it to like make herself look good or like kind of help her friends out it's like there are so many actually remember there are a few shows I remember one show back on like remember they do see the TGIF? No, oh, yeah, sure. I'm like they had the Teen Angel show. Oh yeah, I didn't watch it very much, but I remember but the show for sure. I remember really loving it. It was canceled very quickly. Okay, <laughs> but it was like it's a good premise. It's the premise, premise is so stupid. The guy eats a, ha- a rotten hamburger, dies. What? I did not know that. <laughs> he, he like amazing. eats a rotten hamburger on a bet and then dies, and then his and then becomes his friend's guardian angel. Amazing, and and proceeds the entire season. To help his friend hook up with a girl. I he's now too know shy. what I'm binge watching. Because <laughs> he's too shy. <laughs> For to the rest of my life. That's amazing. It's so good. That's so good. No, but, I, I like that aspect. I, I think that could be great. Like, if they're like, they took it less, you know, like, if they take it less seriously, seriously it could be a thing too. It's like, they're taking it well, so I, seriously. I would kind of hope they would because like, there's so many instances where yeah. right now, yeah. when the world we live in right now, mm-hmm. where like, kids do unfortunately bring guns to school and shoot up the place yeah like, there's this overwhelming yeah. lack of of, of of balance and distribution of the waiting the weight of yeah. 
dramatic moments. I think that's the issue. Is like it's like not necessarily whether or not. Obviously, they'll take guns and that kind of and violence and life and death seriously. But whether the game needed that to tell an interesting story, right. like because if, or and yeah, it was kind of the, the contradiction of like the characters very morose. She's very self-involved. I mean, as a teenager would Absolutely. be. But again, like, why must the game be so entirely focused on that experience? Why can't it be a morose, self-involved character that then we have a Mean Girls game? Yeah, and then, like, what, she's using time travel to like oh, man. get more popular in school. That would be the coolest <laughs> ever. What if it was just a date sim that had time travel? Yeah. Or like yeah. a social sim that had time travel. Yeah. That would be so fresh, man. Because like, it's weird because like, it kind of, in a sense, it, it makes me wonder. When a writer writes, they're writing for themselves, I think, but they're also writing for the story, right? They, there's some perception of the audience. And in, in a commercial endeavor such as a video game that's being published by Square Enix and not being created by you know the indie studio that made gone home there's a sense of marketplace there's a sense of like who are we trying to sell this to and why mm-hmm. right so it it kind of i wondered who they were writing this story for whose wish fulfillment is this and i love your idea of like what if it was a game that was just about climbing mm-hmm. or destroying the social ladder like you could create a very cool alternate version of the incredible rock star game bully mm-hmm. you know bully was fantastic like mm-hmm. bully tackled very similar issues of, of bullying of repressed sexuality of all of these different terrible and wonderful things that young people can do to each other on their path of self-discovery but it was a linear story mm-hmm. you know and there was time of day and you couldn't you had to if you were in one place and class started then you missed that class and then you'd have to Go back to your safe house. So it'd be really interesting, as you were suggesting, to see what a really down-to-earth version of life is. Strange. Life is normal. What, mm-hmm. what would life is normal be like? Yeah. With time, with time Plus traveling. Life is slightly strange. Yeah, life is slightly strange. Slightly is a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also wanted to talk about um, how we both how we played it because I played it a little differently. I played it with my girlfriend Vivian, mm. fiance. We oh, get married. Yes. yes. Congratulations again. We play these games like this a lot. We played Walking Dead like that. We played a little bit of um, Wolf, like some other Telltale games, Wolf yeah. Among Us, Warlands game. Oh, and also both Heavy Rain and oh, right. yeah, and Beyond Two Souls. Yep. Other games that made me that I thought of when I played this. Absolutely, guitar strumming sequences. There's such like, yes. shower sequences. Yes, There's man. a lot of references. And the teen, the teen, teen angst scene of Beyond yeah. Two Souls. Totally. Because it was funny because that was our favorite scene of Beyond Two Souls, and because it was just like being be a teen at a party and like kind of mm-hmm. act that out, and, and it it gets silly really quickly because it's Beyond Two Souls, but uh, just like simulating that experience is is kind of compelling just on its face but to go back to playing as kind of a couple like we i think the 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 benefit of that was being able to kind of fight over decisions that was a big thing we would always like be like what should what should i do it'd be a tough part especially in in like the when there's a time in walking dead when there's a kind of like a a countdown and you're just like oh i gotta make a decision and you're like do this do do that Ah." and then i didn't make a decision and she's like why'd you make the decision i can totally imagine viv being like (laughs) why did you do that and And you'd be like listen i don't know it's a good idea at the time (laughs) like that part where i like walking dead where i smashed lenny in the head with the cinder block gotta do it man he was a dick he was a dick so that was a very different experience you you, yeah, and it's you like you played it with in tandem, basically, with another thinking, feeling human being. And I think it's like also I really like that these games do exist, like because it is this 
genre of a game that is almost like performative group play. Vivian doesn't really like me playing Bloodborne, or doesn't like watching me play Bloodborne. Okay. She's okay with me playing Bloodborne. She just gets really bored of watching it. And say and you're going to marry this woman, man. She better be okay with you playing Bloodborne. She looks, she's, she's okay with it, you know. Dota, on the other hand, maybe not. <laughs> Mainly because I get very angry in Dota. Oh, you're an angry Dota player. I can't I've never known it. you to be an angry anything. It's, it's weird. It's you have like a it, very they gentle just bring nature. it out of me. Amazing. It's we my, played my football teammates. together for Christ's sake growing up. I never even saw your anger there, man. No, I was... I was very chill. You're very chill, dude. Chilly, chilly getting tackled. Yeah, while everyone else was warming up the DMX, you were like, chill, dude. Yeah, There's a zen Let's way. Just do this. Yeah. Sorry, so Vivian doesn't enjoy watching Bloodborne. Yeah, a game like Bloodborne, I think, because it's, I don't know, it requires that familiarity with that kind of game. Yeah. And with a game like Life is Strange, it's basically a television show. Right. So really, anybody could watch you play it and and be engaged by the story because it's like a on-the-surface narrative. So I think there's a, there's definitely a benefit to that. I like a game that doesn't close out the the living room so that when you're playing it, no one else can enjoy it. Sure. And then so you can still get pleasure out of it. Like Heavy Rain, for example. I think I played All my roommates were hanging out, and we were all just watching it and getting carried away with the really cheesy story. But it was totally. Still, but it was fun. Yeah. It was very fun to kind of play as a group, you know. For sure. So. I wonder, you know, it's, it's funny that you said, like, you compared it to, like, a television show. Um, there's been so many discussions in so many different, you know, places about, like, what the future of entertainment looks like. Do you think it looks anything like what we experience when we play Heavy Rain or Life is Strange or the Telltale games? Like, what I mean by that question is video games, much like television, have a limit, right? There's a budget. There's a story to be told. There's a time to get it out to market. And so even with a game like Life is Strange, we bump up, even with the incredible power of reversing time, we constantly bump up against the limits of design, right? You can choose this response or that response. You can do this or you can do that. You can do nothing before time expires and the bullet is shot into the person's stomach or you can do the exact right things to in sequence to do it. Coupled with the fact that very much taking a page from the Telltale playbook, Life is Strange when a chapter ends, presents you with the percentage of people who played the experience, which choices they made at critical moments. Like 37% of people like did this. 67% of people like chose to like whatever. I connect all these dots along with the experience that I had in college where I was in a comedy troupe, as I mentioned before. And we made a sketch, a choose your own adventure sketch. And it was a video sketch that was meant to be played in front of a live audience. And we, over our writers meetings, we took a lot of time and debated where the breakpoints were in the story and guessed along with the influence that we would have in the room with that people with those people the audience what choice they would make so we recorded a linear video right we made all the choices before we didn't have this is before youtube this is before like we could feasibly set up to project a multi-path video playing in a svelte way that didn't show you know the oz behind the curtain right exactly um so we simply had to use our instincts mm-hmm. and our comedic timing to decide when and what choice, like when the choice would be important to be made by the audience and can we give them the choice. So you didn't do choice. multiple choices? We did. We gave okay. them multiple choices and then we predicted and then live coached them mm-hmm. towards the answers that we had shot. We really, mm-hmm. it, it was a cross your fingers and hope moment, but we pulled it off every single time. Every single audience that we played in front of, we got the guesses mm-hmm. that we wanted out of them because we baited them heavily, right? Yeah. But imagine a scenario where now, in a weird way, 
the market research is baked into each ending of the episode. We see the percentage of people that have made a choice along with us. In fact, it's it's that it's, an, it's maybe the most interesting moments of an otherwise boring game, in my opinion, to be like, oh, like how do my choices stack up? Yeah. Like, what yeah. do I did I go with the crowd or did I not? Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, that's a cool moment for me. I wonder. Like, is There's a th- is it, are we heading towards an entertainment model where like you know the next Agents of Shield show like has mm-hmm. breakpoints where the audience through a second screen app is like you know Coulson dies yeah or like they I can, shoot I can, left I can see that kind of thing surfacing I don't think we're gonna move away from traditional media just because people still like being told stories absolutely without having to necessarily be involved in them absolutely you know I so, totally yeah. feel that as well I don't yeah. think it's gonna replace yeah but I do think it will surface I think I definitely think we'll see more stuff like this because there is a certain um, allure to being able to to work with, to be involved in the story. It's like sure. totally that Fahrenheit 451 scenario where she's talking to her television and Good she's call. part of that story. You yes, know, that? great, great reference. <laughs> yeah, like, what would you like to do, Diane? Or yeah. whatever, like that creepy scene or like the TV's talking to you and you're just like, sure, do. oh my God, I'm important. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, I'm like, important, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, a good, it's a good point. I wonder also just mechanically to jump back to the game as the game stands. I had mm-hmm. a couple of moments where... Uh, especially because of the comparison to Alan Wake, mm-hmm. I kind of thought about how interesting the game or how much more interesting the game might have been if Max didn't have the ability to see back in time, but instead had the ability to glean forward in time. Mm-hmm. Because something that you described in your experience of playing with Vivian was the idea that in the Telltale games, you had to make a decision on the clock. Mm-hmm. And you know there was this very very quick countdown to when action would move forward with or without your agency and that added some incredible tension to the whole ordeal i loved that it was i I sometimes hated it but i loved that it would make me hate it Mm -hmm. like it was a wonderful experience to be like oh my god do i shoot the guy do i shoot the black guy do i just try to oh i didn't make the decision in time yeah now i'm dead or now this person is dead beyond my control holy crap yeah um and this game there's none of that in fact, the very mechanic that defines Max's strangeness, the, the time-reversing mechanic, in my humble opinion, kills all of the tension in the entire proceeding. Mm-hmm. And there's one instance in particular at the very end of the second episode where I think that the designers made a very unfortunate choice to show that limitation because there's this scene where you have this girl who's just very regularly bullied by the alpha vortex club or whatever um and she's bullied and she's bullied and she's bullied and you have the ability to potentially talk her off the ledge she's gonna jump she's gonna jump off the the dormitory and kill herself because she's just been put in a compromised position she feels ostracized and you know her own religious faith is and her position vis-a-vis her family and herself her self-image has been completely degraded and you run up to the rooftop and all of a sudden, Max, as narrator in her internal monologue, is like, oh my god, I can't stop it. I can't reverse time. Mm-hmm. And then the final sequence of the second episode in a game built on reversing time does not allow you to reverse time. And man, that was the coolest moment to me mm-hmm. because there was real tension and there was real gravitas and there was a, the HUD didn't flash, like the HUD didn't flash. This action will have consequences. There was a real consequence in front of me ready to jump off a roof. Mm-hmm. That's like that was dramatic and mm-hmm. that was real to me. Mm-hmm. And nothing else in the game could come close to the tension that was generated in that moment. 
simply because I could always hold the L2 button on my PlayStation controller and be like, let's try that again. Let me stick with the answer yeah. I want. But even that moment was, it, it felt weird that so much of your actions leading up to it could have prevented it, but the game, for the sake of the story, didn't kind of allow for that. Yeah. Oh, it, I'll talk to you later, Max. No, I was... You can come for yeah, me yeah. some other He's time. Just like, I gotta go hang out with my friend who doesn't even really like me. Yeah. And you you deal with your problems like doing, Traveling in time you know, or doing, doing your own thing. So it's like kind of... It, it's set up for that... It felt too set up. You know, it's kind of yeah. seeing the bounds of the, of, the, of the story. Yes. There. And I also... I was reading a, a good uh, critique of it by... Um, uh, I think it was Maddie Myers talking about how wrote, wrote an article in Paste about how it's a kind of a mis misclassification of suicide, where that you it, it prevents prevents something where you have to get all the answers right, and then you prevent somebody from being suicidal. Yeah. Whereas like all really is about just talking to them, like you know, people who are suicidal, like ninety percent of the time, like there are they can be telltale talked signs, down. calls yeah. for help, and and like people like there was like a. There was a study of people who had jumped from like I think the Golden Gate Bridge saying it saying if somebody had tried to talk to them they would wouldn't have jumped. Sure. Or like it's just like the game was kind of I'm sure taking narrative liberties. Yeah, of course it's but, fiction, but at what cost? Like, yeah, kind of like over like for the sake of the drama, but in a way that didn't really feel 100 percent earned. Yeah, part of part of because of the linearity of the story, sure like, of of being forced to do what the story required and it's that, like now it's time to deal with the fact we're gonna blame you for not hanging out with this person even though we never gave you the choice to hang out with yeah, this person I, I love how wildly well defined her time traveling abilities are like if for a second we consider her uh, a sentient human being in the pacific northwest that can turn back time she can only turn back time up to the point that she crosses the threshold of a door or a gate. Mm -hmm. Like, when you leave an area, <laughs> sorry, you yeah. cannot. Like, yeah, yeah. I would love to do an exercise if I had that real power. Just go through the door of and like, go back. Yeah, go through the door and come back. And go, oh, that's it. That's the... Ooh. And look, this is a limitation of game design, right? Absolutely. But it's also a limitation of the fiction. Because you're telling a narrative story, as we both have said, through a living mechanic that's malleable, such as video games... I think you really need to do the, the designers need to do a better job of designing a fiction that might wrap better to the limitations of the medium. We've only played two episodes. That's deep. true. This is an interesting thing. This is it kind of breaks our format even for the video game hour because we haven't finished the game, having only played the first episode and watched myriad let's plays of the of the second episode. Just because I couldn't bring myself to play the second one, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to go very much farther. Like mm -hmm. I think for the edification of like knowing how it ends, I'll like read reviews of the sure. next few episodes. Sure. But what's funny is, you know, we often end the spotlight game or the video game of the hour by one of us asking the other if we would recommend the game to someone else. And by and large, even like Talos Principle, which I had a terrible time playing as a game, I have to say it was the fiction and the booming voice of God that turned me off from that experience. But as I said in that episode, the puzzles were still damn well designed, mm -hmm. you know, damn well designed and presented a, an arc of of difficulty and learning that was really really special and i would recommend that game to anyone who's a fan of the puzzle genre or theology <laughs> um, you know to a certain extent yeah. philosophy I, this might be the first video game hour game that i do not recommend to anyone mm -hmm. like if you like narrative games where choices give the illusion of mattering yeah. i will recommend you a telltale game i'll even recommend you heavy rain 
Yeah. There's some cool stuff happening. Oh, there. absolutely. I still, I still uh, defender of yeah. Harry no, for for all of the yeah, weirdnesses yeah. of its director's voice, I still think it's a fine experience. Play through it once. It it's some, worth it. That's some really smart ideas. Yeah. I mean, just the idea that you can't really fail fail anything. You you just change the story. Yeah. And yet the narrative is adaptive enough to completely yeah. kill off a key character and go on. Yeah. There is a story being somewhat masterfully told mm -hmm. knowing the limitations of the medium that the Absolutely, story is yes. unfolding in yeah i mean it's it's frustrating too because it's a game i recommend to say my girlfriend because sure. she is somebody who, who likes narrative heavy games where especially ones where you get to play as a woman you know it's so infrequent in in our medium and ones that don't focus on violence sure it's just like it's such a rarity that it sucks when something comes along that you're just like well this is not good because it's hard for it's hard for me to be like to come along and be like don't play this yeah like, to no, say to, to women in games who are just like have so little yeah um so few options and then so i'm just like you know, you know it's kind of sucks but then again this is a game where you where you talk about pregnancy periods like being a teenage woman like some parts of it are like i feel like capture that experience in some ways even even though like a lot of it is loaded in, in pastiche and references yeah like it's still like makes an effort to like to cast this perspective that's something that we don't normally see yeah even even yeah. if i wouldn't recommend it it might still be an important game to consider yeah which like, is just in terms it's of just a shitty situation that that yeah. is the that's the field that it's being cast onto. Like, yeah. the field is so, like, de bereft of, like... The one last thing I wanted to talk about, actually, was... It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, of interactive theater. Huh. In terms of simulating these... Uh, having a room where you kind of walk around and look at items. And it tells you a story through that. Like, an environmental storytelling. A little yeah. bit of, like, Sleep No More was, like, an interesting sure. experience. Yeah. Just because it was... And that, which is like basically interactive theater experience, very popular in New York right now. And you, it's Hamlet. Yeah, I think it's Hamlet, right? I like that. Hamlet. I think it's Hamlet. I think it might be Hamlet. I saw it as well. I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah. It. It, it was a trip. This, I loved this, it. It was yeah, a really it, fun it's experience. It's a really fun experience. And like, it's really like cool take on, on theater. And it, it, I feel like there's a lot that um, video games can take from something like that. Because I feel like they're mostly missing that audience. Uh, they kind of like not getting that audience of people who, who want this, like, or saying with television, who want this interactive yeah. experience, but don't want to think about X button, A button, yeah. select start, you know, make a PSN profile, pick up a controller, you know, like, yeah. who want that kind of interactive media experience. You know, it might be interesting now that the Oculus Rift has been announced that it's going to go on public sale mm -hmm. in 2016. It might be interesting to take a situation or a game like, you know, life is strange and remove bits of the player agency or at least remove the remove the players inhabiting of the main characters and allow them to be kind of a fly on the wall because that might be interesting in a lot of ways it's, it, it is essentially creating a digital version of sleep no more like if i could put you know someone who's not necessarily interested in the medium of video games into a headset or a virtual reality experience where you know, in this case, it's a poorly written story, but like a story is being told and you have the ability to go around and check for environmental clues that might inform the conversation that's happening between mm -hmm. two parties that mm -hmm. you have no control over, yeah. but might become more interesting based on your decision to do something or not. Yeah. And I kept coming back to that as the player inhabiting Max. It's like, what choice is the game giving us mm -hmm. actually when we strip away the layers of like the edifice and like the the HUD that's flashing your choice had a consequence. Like, 
Because really they didn't. Like none of the choices really had that I can tell had like a serious consequence that could not be moved around as the story propels itself forward. Yeah. It it might be just interesting to think about, you know, a VR experiment that does mimic, as you're saying, something closer to the the passive but still interactive experience of moving through a space that's being occupied by a story being told. You mm-hmm. might miss parts of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not be in the right room Absolutely. when something yeah. happens. It might it might beg for a repeated viewing. More so even than a Telltale game, which is like I think one of the pinnacles of this genre. Mm-hmm. Like a Telltale game, which I loved season one of The Walking Dead. Played all the episodes back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And I'll never play it again. Mm-hmm. I'm that fine. story has been told. I'm fine with my version of that story being yeah. told. It's a little different because it's like it's a way to craft a singular narrative. As yeah. opposed to being a witness to right. this kind of world that's going on apart from you. Yeah. Like it, a world that you're just a, that you're just a bystander of. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that being compelling. Like a sh- even a show like Game of Thrones that has so many characters yeah. can and I be so a court, many plots. A court jester? Or not a court jester, but like a, uh, you know, a courtesan? Yeah. Can I, be can, a court- I, can, I just, can I just be a ghost? Can I be a camera floating yeah. in yeah. the ether? And which room am I in in episode one? Yeah. Do I follow the Lannisters? I don't. I've never even watched the show. I've seen some episodes, but I don't mm-hmm. follow it. It's like, do I follow this plot line physically? Do I move with this plot line, or do I stay in this room and just see, take catalog of who comes in and when? Maybe there's a secret, like love affair with the cooks that like didn't fit into <laughs> yeah. like the director's vision of the adaptation of the book, but like was a part of the book at some point. I think that's the beauty of video games because you know you have that. You can build these really complex worlds that people only see one, one piece of, rather than having to pre- present a a narrative that will be fed directly at a player. The player is actually uncovering it through their actions. Right. So, like you know, say yeah, like with with Bloodborne, the Souls games, you're right. you're digging it out. You're digging it from the game. Like the game is holding it, holding it close to his chest. Exactly. And it's like I want to, I want to see you. You have to pry its fingers off it. Yeah, I want to, I want to know your story. And like, it's so different than you know a traditional narrative experience. And this, you know, Life is Strange is very much that traditional narrative experience. The thing yeah. just trudges along, mm-hmm. and you are witness to and completely caught up in the flow of the fiction. And at certain breakpoints in certain pre-delineated conversations, it asks you if you want to go slightly left, slightly right, or slightly up, or slightly down. And then it's like the sewer shark of video. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Video it games. really is sewer shark. And it's <laughs> funny because, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's that now that we're in a mode where Square Enix can like see a genre and be like, "We want one of those." You guys, uh, 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 don't nod. We need you to like use that time travel mechanic that you did so well, uh, and just make a make a telltale game with that. Go, mm-hmm. here's money, make it happen. I just feel like we're at that point where you know they've smelled blood in the water, and now the genre is potentially going to be diluted to the point of like ineffectualness. Like, I never played the Borderlands telltale game, mm-hmm. but I saw the ads roll out, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, isn't Borderlands a shooty shooty funny funny game? Yeah. Yeah, it's got the funny, funny, you know, shooty, shooty. Yeah, but yeah it, I think it's definitely going to be uh, continue, continually mined. Yeah. Not unlike, you know, all the comic books, superhero movies that are happening right now. Sure, like, exactly. When a, when a corporation smells blood in the water, then... That's it. There will be fucking gonna, 20 movies at it. There's going to be all shark. There won't be any water. All there. shark. Oh, my God. <laughs> what happens when it's all shark? Yo, the ocean is all sharks. Shark yeah. week. I think we're coming up on shark. No, I'm just kidding. Shark week. <laughs> 
tie-in. Yeah, total tie-in. Uh, maybe next episode we'll be talking about Shark Week. Yeah, is there a shark video game we can play? Echo the Dolphin? Echo, there is, there's got to be some shark game. I think there was a shark game. There's like a Jaws. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Yeah, obviously like super, super fun to do this, man. Like even if the games themselves aren't super interesting, I really love taking yeah. these deep dives. I think we had a really good talk about it. So. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And, and so, thanks again, as always, to uh, Old School Brian. Old the, School Brian! For the, the intro track. And uh, we'll see everyone next time on you know, our next cool game. <laughs> games. Cool game video game hour. Exactly. That's our new title. Cool game video game yeah, That won't totally appear cool. anywhere except for here. Exactly. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Catch All you right. next time. Thanks. Bye.